right, so I'm now recording. Fantastic. All right. Hi, everyone. This is Caden, uh, and this is Happy Hour History. I'm here today with my little brother, so he's judging me already. I've been uh, judging you since I was born. That's true. Uh, so today we're going to do um, a short episode. Um, it's a little different from some of the other ones I've done. It's going to be what I would call a spooky short. Uh, it's releasing on Halloween, so you really only have the one chance for it to be properly spooky before you're just like listening to something in November and it feels sad. Uh, I do have another spooky short already on my Patreon, uh, and that's about the Golem of Prague. So if anyone wants to listen to more of the spooky shorts, you can go to Patreon and subscribe there. Uh, starting from a dollar, you get access to that. So uh, that's a good way to get it. I want to do one more. Um, I recognize that it will bleed into November, but I want to do one more spooky short, and that will also be a Patreon exclusive. Um, so if you like this, you can stop there. But in the meantime, uh, I'm here with my little brother, and we're going to do this. It's actually not the spookiest. Uh, it's a, it's more of a murder story. Can I so. mention something? No. You shouldn't feel too bad about it coming out a little later, because uh, Halloween's been postponed. Really? Yeah. Who, did, who like here or uh, like local everywhere? Local municipalities have postponed it till uh, Saturday. Oh well, that's our local municipality. I don't only have listeners in this municipality, but thanks for that. Look at that. Our area just doesn't even respect the sanctity of like, the holiday. It's gonna rain, so apparently can't get candy then. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. yeah. Do we need to buy? Okay. Anyways, we should buy candy <laughs> for no, the children. For the children, but also for us. Yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah, so that is a, a thing. You can go to Patreon. Um, I'll explain later. Um, I will say that I only started my Patreon from the last episode, so it's pretty new. And I already have one subscriber, my new best friend, Alexander. So uh, if you want to get your name shouted out in the podcast, uh, you can also do that by becoming a Patreon subscriber. Look at me, just selling myself out. Yeah, he'll be number one forever. Alexander's number one in the field, number one in my heart. Exactly. Also number one in New Zealand, because Alexander's from New Zealand. Wow. You have a listener in New Zealand? That's yeah, cool. I have a couple of listeners in New Zealand. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I'm sure this is going to be interesting, mostly because my brother's going to make fun of me, undoubtedly. Mm. Um, but we today are going to be talking about somebody called Henry Reed Rathbone. And Kai, which is, by the way, my brother's name. Kai, do you know who Henry Reed Rathbone is? Never heard of him, but the last name... May I mention, is so cool. Rathbone? Like, if you're gonna tell a murder mystery or, like, a horror short, Rathbone needs to be his last name. It's, like, next to, like, Dracula. It's a good last name. Um, so my brother, by the way, is actually, like, a history person. Um, he is much smarter than me in some specific areas, so I specifically did not pick anything you would know too much about. <laughs> um, wow, so offended. He, he is much more into, I would, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I would say if I was trying to simplify it, that you're much more interested in Eastern Europe. Yeah. Whereas I'm a bit more interested in Western Europe because I'm your basic white bread kind of historian. Yeah, I'm very German, Polish, Russian, and Swedish history. Lithuania. Dude, Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth is actually the greatest thing ever. So anyways, yeah, I'm going to teach my brother about Henry Reed Rathbone, and it shouldn't be too long of an episode, but hopefully it gets you in the murder mystery mood. Um, so if you've ever thought... Why aren't history podcasts being more like true crime podcasts? Well, this won't be that, but it'll be slightly closer. Perfect. Perfect. All right, let's start.
Rathbone. He was born in Albany, New York. So he's an American like us. Oh, okay. Uh, so this didn't happen that long ago. It's no, it's last three hundred years. It's not too too long ago. I actually should have made you guess what time period he was from, but I didn't. So well, I mean, there's still three hundred years to decide. Okay, from. what time period is he from? Guess. I mean, here's the thing. Earlier, I would have said he was like some like Englishman from like the 1600s. Okay. Now I'm gonna guess he's from like the 1880s. Oh my gosh, that was a really spot on guess. Really? Yeah. What year? That was really well. He's in the latter half of the 1800s, but he's operating through the 1880s. Nice. Um, so he's born in 1837. Good year. Um, and you'll see why, because obviously the murder that's involved in the story happens in the 1880s. Okay. So that was actually a spot <laughs> on nice. guess. Um, so yeah, he's born in Albany in 1837. He was one of four children by um, a man called Jared Rathbone, and he's a wealthy businessman. He would later become the mayor of Albany. Um, and then also his mother, Pauline Rathbone. Stop cracking your knuckles. Does. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So his mother, Pauline Rathbone, and his father, Jared, and they're quite wealthy. So his dad dies in 1845. Um, so, you know, he's not that old. From 37 to 45, you're what, like, eight? Hot. You're pretty young. Um, so his dad dies, and at this point, Henry gets pretty rich pretty quick because his dad was worth a lot of money um and so that passes down to the children i mean i don't know if he like immediately inherited it or he had to wait until he was older but whatever he he's gonna Either be way, he was rolling it he's up. gonna be a well-off boy he Fantastic. was he was swag money why is it always the rich ones who kill i don't know but he was swag money no one's ever swag money no um one's truly swag money no i'm <laughs> this is also something that for listeners would make no sense um but in my family, for some reason, my nickname is Swag Money. <laughs> um, but in this instance, long before I ever came into the world, he was Swag Money. Mm-hmm. And um, so at this point, you know, his mom is a widow. So she's like, dang, gotta get gotta get on some premium D. Because she got so lucky with the first one. He was so rich. So she finds a new man. I imagine that's what all widows are like. Like, dang, he just, he's just dead big dang yeah but some of them liked it and some of them were like give me more like more man and then some of them were like no no i'll stay a widow okay yeah but did this widow want more man or more money because i mean she got money i don't actually know what her motivations were um but she doesn't remarry like a nobody so fantastic. it might just be that she exists in a world where she can't really marry nobody because she's too somebody but nah you can pull something off the street nah it would be pretty questionable um anyways in uh, 1848, the year that uh, none of the revolutions really worked out in Europe, Oof. and, you know, Marx was doing stuff, uh, she's guy. she's busy over here in America, and she's getting remarried to a man called Ira Harris. Um, Ira Harris had two children previously, so they're making, like, a Brady bunch of kids. Uh, his son, William, and his daughter, Clara, um, already kind of existed from a, a former marriage as well. And Ira Harris was um, a senator from New York. So he wasn't actually... Yeah, so we're going for, like, important people in the world. He wasn't actually elected. Oh, no. It was that um, when Lincoln became president... This is a little bit later, anyhow, but, like, he he would go on to be appointed a senator. And that's because when Lincoln becomes president, um, he names the senator of New York as his secretary of state, which means that they're lacking one senator then Mm. so he ends up like taking over the role as like the next like person in that party Mm. so he's not technically elected he's like filling a gap until an election year okay 
So, but he is the senator, so, you know, not like it's nothing, but technically he wasn't chosen by the people. His party was, though, so, you know. Uh, and Harris himself, the the new stepfather, he was actually pretty tight with Lincolns. They were like pals. Like, they didn't always get all, like, they didn't always agree on everything, but they were like, they were they good. They played catch. They were like buddies, you know, like, they were, it was like. Played catch with a wad of hundreds. I, or, like, I guess back then, like, a bunch of pennies. <laughs> well, what, what was on the penny before Lincoln? You know what? We don't have no. Time. It was the the wheat penny. Is it just have wheat on it? Yeah, it has wheat on it. But I mean, yeah, obviously it's just not gonna have Lincoln. So I just never thought of that before. <laughs> Prior to anyway, that's a rabbit hole we shouldn't go down. Um, but yeah, so his his new stepdad is in Senate. He's pretty tight with Lincoln. Yada yada yada. And then of course um, he has these two new step siblings. So they're getting along. Whatever. Happy life. And he then grows up and he goes to study at Union College. And, of course, like every rich boy uh, in America, he, wo- he like, is studying law. Yeah, of course. He goes to work in Albany at a law partnership. Um, and then the Civil War starts and he is, like, raring to go. He's like, let's fight. <laughs> so he um, uh, enlists in the Union Army because, obviously, he's from the North. Go so. him. So good for you. I respect that. Uh, he started the war as a captain. Because he's rich. Uh, And then due to his exemplary service, he ends the war as a major. So the actual war itself isn't really that important to the story. Um, Obviously, the war happens. He survives. Uh, It's important to know that the war is a thing that, you know, occurs. And he doesn't die in it because that would end our story. Uh, He fights at a couple of major battles, including the Battle of Antietam. That's important. The Battle of Fredericksburg. And the Battle of the Crater, which I've never heard of I've that one. I've never heard of that one. I don't even know if that one's real. Maybe the internet's just lying to me. Maybe it's just all a conspiracy. Maybe you're lying to me. Maybe. Are you part of Big Pharma? Big, yeah. That's kind of freaky. Big Rathbone. I <laughs> <laughs> my name in prison. <laughs> I'm just making up Civil War stories at this point. Um, and then at some point in this, I don't exactly know when... Um, but at some point in all of this happening, like, his life at home, then his life during the Civil War, yada, 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 within these years, at some point, he thinks, wow, look at my stepsister. Oh, no. Oh. And then they get engaged. Oh, my God. Okay, well, here's the thing. Back then, it was, like, I mean, we still know, even today... That genetically, that couldn't be less from being a problem. Yeah. Like, it's the least problem you could ever have, because they're two totally genetically separate people. It's just moral. It's just, like, how, like, were they socialized to be siblings when they were younger? I mean, here's the thing. How old was he when he met his stepsister? I mean, his mother remarries in 48, and he was born in 37. So he was like eleven. He was eleven. That's not but too like, bad. But like, if you're if you're still kind of socialized to see that person as like a new sibling, it's just weird. Hmm. I think, I think that if you meet someone at eleven, they're basically more of a friend than a sibling. At that point. I mean, I hope. Because at this point, you're at fourteen. You're an adult. Ugh. <laughs> Anyways, how old, wait, how old was his stepsister? I have no idea. Okay, just as long as it's um, not freaky. Actually, let's look it up. Because like, if she's like real young when this happens like oh. let's look it up guys the internet's amazing wikipedia is a valid source unfortunately unfortunately um there is well for for ages i'd say generally wikipedia is pretty good because 
if you get the age wrong, you've really messed up. Just an <laughs> integral part of the story. Um, unfortunately, there's another... So, it, there's a person in, like, the modern times named Clara Harris, which is her name, obviously, who was involved in a murder case. So, every time I type in Clara Harris, I get that murderess. Do you like Clara Harris slash... Yeah, I typed in Clara Harris Rathbone. So, she was born in 1834. Is she older than him? Oh, that's hot. Yeah, she's older than him. Neato. Look at her getting yeah. younger men. Yeah. Rob that cradle, baby. I hate you. I love her. She's now my hero. So anyways. She did marry her stepbrother. Yeah, well, it's weird. I don't know. It's so weird, but. Uh, so, Cla- yeah, so Clara and um, Henry end up engaged, and then, like, the war ends. So uh, that's that's. I thought the... that was the baby making sound. No, they're still engaged, so they mm. can't be making babies yet. Otherwise, they're doing some bad stuff in that creepy house where they shouldn't be wrathboning because. They're <laughs> I'm so happy you said that. I'm so glad that within the first five minutes of this, we used wrathbone as a sexual innuendo. I just want to tell you right now that we're about 14 minutes into this. Oh my goodness. Uh, provided that you know. It might be different when people listen, because I might have edited some of this out, but we're about 14 minutes in, and it took it that Fine. long to get to Rathboning. <sighs> wow, I'm actually kind of disappointed then. Yeah. That took us a minute. Um, but, so, the war ends, um, and obviously we know that, well, we know, but I'll say anyway, because people are listening and they want the story. Uh, so, General Lee of the Confederate Army surrenders to General Grant of the Union Army at Appomattox on uh, the 9th of April, 1865. Sets the it's not fake news. I hope not. It's the official end of the war. The South has surrendered. And so, of course, everybody's like, well, everybody in the North is like, it's time to party because we just won a war and the Union is going to stay together. So obviously we're going to have all the states back being, you know, one thing and not two things. Is it really a victory that they got the South back? It's not, but we're going to say it is because they were like, oh, don't take the South. I mean, Disney World wasn't even there yet. Disney World really, was not it really there was yet. just a swampy, crazy wilderness. Yeah, if they had known what Disney World would be, they probably would have been even more excited that they got the South back. But at the time, they did not know, so they were just like regular amounts of excited because they were like, "Oh, we don't really, we're not thrilled about them, but like whatever. At least we look cool and strong now." <laughs> that is that's true. that's that's not history, guys. That's just our weird. We're, we're, we're northerners, we're Yanks, so we're we not Yanks. we're not super, you know, we got our weird prejudices. All countries have them. Um, so that's not history. But, uh, so everyone's partying, and they are super excited that they won the war. I'm sure the South was not super partying, but whatever, the least is done. We're not dying, and no more Sherman marching to the sea anymore. I think a significant amount of the South was partying. Yeah. All the slaves, they're like, that's good. Good times. <laughs> Finally, it took you long enough. And then they realized that all the white dudes still controlled like everything's still garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Party over. But for the first couple of days, they're like, yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, free booze. Yeah. So uh, within the next couple of days, everyone's having a good time. So, uh, a couple of days later, on April fourteenth, uh, Lincoln and his wife Mary Todd Lincoln uh, want to go see a play. They're like, we gotta celebrate. It's time to go see a play. We aren't doing the war thing anymore, and so... we made it home safely. Now we get to chill, and they made it home safely, and that's the end of that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. So, they go to the Ford's... Th- they go to Ford's Theater in D.C., um, and they actually... Because they're in the presidential box, obviously. So, they initially had invited, um, 
Grant and his wife, but apparently his wife didn't really like Mary Todd Lincoln that much. They were, like, in a little spat. So they were like, no, no, that's okay. You can go see the play without us. And then apparently they invited a couple of other different people. They're like, we got four seats. We got to put them to use. We got to look cool. Um, And everyone's like, no, that's okay. Like, we're not, like, not tonight. And so finally they must go down the list so much. And they're like, oh, yeah, there's this, like, senator from New York and he's got a daughter and, like... You are also friends with, like, this guy's dad, so, like, Rathbone and his fiance, like, that's a good, that's still a good group to go out with. Like, yeah, senators are pretty cool. Yeah, well, it's senator's daughter, so. Um, that's hot. But they're both important. Like, they're, like, still relatively known in society. They're just, like, not, like, you know, General Grant or anything. Yeah. He only became a major, so. Had Grant gone, he could have tackled Booth. Yeah. Well, imagine if Grant had been there. It's like a bear. Um, so they're like, ah, like, we've made it this far down the list, and finally somebody says yes. So Rathbone and his fiance sister, Clara, are like, yeah, we'd love to go to the theater with you. We're definitely your first choice, right? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> That's probably not history either. Um, and so they were invited to sit in the presidential box with them that evening. Now, they attend the play, and around 10.15, while the show is still in progress... Uh, John Wilkes Booth makes his way towards the box. Now, there was meant to be, like, a guard standing there, um, but I guess he'd left. He went to go get drinks or something. Yeah, which is what I read as well. He went to go get drinks, I think, during, like, the intermission, and then he just apparently didn't come back. Um, so bad move. So bad move on his part. Uh, I'm sure after that, he was like, wow, I'm really fired. Yeah, but, like, bad move. He definitely, like, lived. Yeah, but he's like, oof, that was kind of my job to stop stuff like that. Um, so, so yeah, John Wilkes Booth makes his way to the box. Uh, he waited until, cause he knew the play. He was like within the acting world. That was like his kind of forte. So he knew the play really well and he knew that there was going to be a large amount of laughter at one of the funniest lines coming up. So he waits until the laughter starts and then he takes out his little, like he's got a tiny little handgun that only holds one bullet. That's oh, a prostitute pistol. Sure. It's not actually what it's called, I don't think, but yes. Yeah, but, like, tiny little, like, western handguns that have, like, a bullet in them? Yeah, just, pistols. just the... Okay, yeah, sure. I don't like the... We're not slut-shaming. It's sex worker pistol. Hey, a man can be a prostitute, too. Yeah, but we don't call them that anymore. We call them sex workers. It's sex worker pistol. We're PCing our pistol names, Kai. <laughs> Sorry. My goodness. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so he takes out his little pistol, and he shoots Lincoln, like, directly in the head. So, you know. Good shot. Uh, you only need the one bullet if you're good enough at it. And so he, yeah, obviously he couldn't mess that up, but he didn't. And then, um, the party in the box is quite startled when they see him slump over. And I guess you would have heard it. And there's a bit of, like, smoke and stuff as well from the actual gun. Um, so Rathbone was startled and apparently, um, in seeing what happened to the president, he's like, gotta throw hands with this guy. So he tries to throw hands. <laughs> um, so they're tussling in the box. And it's kind of smoky, so, like, it's really hard. And in this little fight, um, Booth is able to draw his knife. Because, obviously, his gun's useless now. Um, pistol he, whip. Well, yes! You have, like, a weird obsession with pistol whipping We've people. been watching um, The 100 recently, the, the post-apocalyptic show about teenagers um, trying to survive and stuff. And I just want everyone to get pistol whipped, just because I think it's really funny. <laughs> You're weird. But you know that, because we've been watching it together. Um, so... Yeah, so he didn't pistol whip anyone. He pulls out his knife instead because he's got that, so smarter. And um, while they're fighting, uh, Booth tries to stab Rathbone in the chest, 
Um, and Rathbone's able to prevent this from happening, but in doing so, he ends up with a pretty long slash across his left arm, like in the like um, elbow to shoulder region of the arm. And uh, the wound was bleeding pretty heavily. Um, and then at this point, because the tussle is more or less over, uh, Booth is able to jump from the box to the stage, which is like a 15-foot drop or something like that. And um, apparently he hurt his foot when he did the drop. I imagine. But he, he made it, and he was okay. Um, and there are a lot of differing accounts on what he yelled while he was on the stage, but the general consensus seems to be that it was something around the lines of uh, Six Emperor Tyrannus, which is thus always to tyrants. Um, Didn't they say that? Isn't that like a Caesar quote or something like that? So, it's a, as far as I can tell, it's a phrase associated with Caesar, though probably not actually directly like from the time like it's not something that like brutus said when he killed him no but is it, is it a thing from shakespeare's play i don't think so oh okay i don't know i've actually read julius caesar more than once um but off the top of my head i don't remember that being in there it mm-hmm. could it very well could be uh, but yeah so that's always the tyrants it's also um virginia's state motto is it actually yeah God. that's Damn always the tyrants so yeah so tyrants should always get their just desserts, which is murder, because, you know, Caesar was murdered, and apparently if you're going to call Lincoln a tyrant, which the South may have seen him as, then he should also get the murder. So, assassinated. Uh, Now, Lincoln's not dead. Uh, Rathbone's in the box, and he's just seen the murderer jump down, and he really can't follow, so um, he needs to get a doctor in the box. But the thing is, is that because Booth had had all this time to prepare because there was no... Um, guard standing there, like, ready to stop him, he actually managed to bar the door into the box. Did he actually? Yeah. That's kind of baller. So he barred the door. So then Rathbone, who's, like, seems to be the only one moving, I think Mary Todd Lincoln was, like, kind of... Like, passed out? No, I think she was trying to, like, hold her husband up because he sort of slumped forward when he was shot. And then I'm pretty sure Clara was just, like, freaking out. Like, they were both the ladies, as typical ladies of that time, were, like, you know... I'm Freak. not gonna lie. I kind of assumed that they both kind of just simultaneously stood up, <gasps> put their the back of their hand to their forehead, and just did exactly that. I swooned. <laughs> no, um, but they weren't being particularly helpful because, like, what were they gonna do? They don't have weapons, and they don't really know how to fight. So, um, so he then so Rathbone runs over to the door, and he has to un- get the obviously the door opened so that doctors can get in, and then like three different doctors run in in like pretty quick succession. And, um, they're able to assess the situation. So at first, because of the laughter and everything, like, covering the sound of the gunshot, they actually thought he was stabbed. So they moved him to the floor, and then they were, like, ripping his shirt off, like, hunky Abe Lincoln, and trying to find where the stab wound was. Do you think he had a six-pack? In my mind, he does. In mine, he does, too. Okay. But he's also extremely hairy. Like, he's, like... Yeah, he was kind of a hairy boy. Did you know that he apparently has, like, one of the most conventionally attractive faces just because it was so symmetrical? Which is weird because I don't think anyone actually thinks his face was, like, hot. But it was... Mary Todd. It was... Yeah. But it was just, like, a, I guess someone, like, analyzed it. I don't know if this is true. I don't know anything about well, it's facial like the, analysis. It's like the golden ratio thing. Yeah, but apparently his face is just so symmetrical. <laughs> which kind of freaks me yeah, out. He also looks like an ape man, so, like... He looks kind of weird, especially when he gets older, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's been in office for so much longer. And Maybe he... young Abe Lincoln was just, like, a playboy. Babe Lincoln. They should make a movie about that. No one would see it, but I'd see it. I'd see it. 
Wow. We could be the only two people. Sold two whole tickets. Um, so the doctors come in. They think it's a stab wound, so obviously they put him on the floor. Finally, they don't find anything on him that, res- like, resembles a stab wound. So they're like, ah, oh, dang. But when they shine a light in his eyes, it's clear that he has some kind of brain trauma. So then they start looking at his head, and that's when they find the bullet wound. Now, at this point, he's still alive, but he's not doing so hot. And so it turns out that, like, there was some clotting that was causing him to not be able to breathe. And so when they removed the clotting, it made it easier for him to breathe. But they basically knew, looking at him, that, like, this wasn't really a survivable wound. Oh, fantastic. So what they decided to do is they have to move him to, um... They have to move him somewhere else, out of the theater, because it's just not, like, a stellar place to be trying to deal with this. I've just um, kind of always assumed that, like, before penicillin was invented, the solution to everything was leeches. Not always. Hmm. Not something like this. <laughs> I don't know. Not you when he's... leech on it, suck he's, the bullet out. He's bleeding too much. <laughs> we Put need the to leeches know. on. We gotta, we gotta cauterize the wound. Put the reverse leeches on. The cauterization of a wound? Yes. Or, uh, like in the Civil War, when all limbs were just cut off, just to avoid gangrene, let's just cut his head off. Cauterize that wound. He'll be fine in two weeks. He's like Abe, or, uh, like Abe Lincoln. He's like a Walt Disney. Put him in a freezer. Yeah. In Florida. That's weird. What if we just froze Abe Lincoln? What if we put Walt Disney's head on Abe Lincoln's body? <laughs> I don't like and that. And vice versa. I don't like that. I like it way too much. <laughs> um, yeah, so they decide they have to move him, but it's clear that they're not going to be able to get him to the White House fast enough because they're like not super close in proximity. So they take him to a house that's near the theater. I think it's like a boarding house type thing, but I'm not really positive, so it's irrelevant. They take him to this house, and they get him in a bed, and uh, and Clara and uh, Rathbone, they actually go as well, despite the fact that uh, he's still bleeding from his arm wound. Nice. And so when they get there, they're in the waiting period to see like what's going to happen, and it becomes clear that Clara is covered in blood. Like, her dress is just real bloody. And so, um, it was probably her fiancé's. Fiancé brother. Fiancé stepbrother. Hot. But, uh, but Mary Todd Lincoln, when she sees her in this house, she freaks out thinking that's all her husband's blood. And she starts, like, you know, screaming about, like, oh, that's my husband's blood, blah, blah, blah. And it's probably not, but, like, you can see why that would have freaked her out. Um. Yeah. But I think, I think Clara had been trying to help Rathbone after he was stabbed. And so it was more likely his blood. Um, uh, so doctors are attending to Lincoln, and while this is all happening, Rathbone eventually passes out because he's lost so much blood from his injury, nice. so leeches would actually be the worst possible solution for him. Put the reverse leeches on, man. <laughs> the reverse leeches give blood back. Yeah. Um, they eat uh, oxygen, and they make blood. That doesn't sound science. That's real science. That doesn't sound scientifically correct. Here's the thing. When has science ever done you right? <laughs> science has done me right sometimes. Not enough. Um, so he was taken back home. So once he passes out, they're like, ooh, got to deal with this boy too. But they have like a bunch of doctors. They've got like five doctors by this point. So, you know, you're like, we can spare one for this rando. So they that he's taken back to his home. Uh, and Clara decides to stay with her friend Mary, because they're friends anyway, and uh, to comfort her. And eventually she'll go and she'll join Rathbone, but she stays around with Lincoln and Mary for a little bit just to see what's going to happen. Um, and then Rathbone, once he wakes up, uh, the blood clo- the blood loss caused him to be a bit delusional. And so he seemed really upset about not being able to stop the shooting and he's not doing so well. 
Um, I don't know if that's delusion. Like, I think anyone would be upset that. I mean, he was upset, like, in a, like he was upset, but like in a kind of a heightened way, mm. and probably just, like seeing things slightly. Oh, that's fun. Um, and so then Rathbone uh, eventually would recover with medical treatment. He would be fine uh, eventually. Uh, Lincoln, of course, dies in the early hours of the morning. Uh, and would not be fine with medical treatment because he's dead. So, bye, President. I'm almost sure he survived. I'm almost sure. Like, I'm pretty sure he's in Argentina with Tupac, MLK, That's a good story. and Gandhi. You should really write that. Just write that, like, historical fiction, what if. I'm pretty sure Gandhi and Hitler are just kind of having a staring contest down there. That's not good. Yeah, but I think Gandhi's winning. That's good. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so this, what happens that night kind of haunts him, and now the president's dead, and everything's gonna get messed up, but you already knew that. Yeah. But, uh, if we go back into the specific story of Rathbone, uh, so he then, two years later, in 1867, he and Clara get married, and they begin their lives together. So it took them a long, they had a pretty long engagement, but... It's like Maggie. It, yeah, like our sister. Um, I hope she doesn't listen. I, actually, I know she Edit that out. Listen. No. <laughs> just funny. Uh, she doesn't listen to this anyway. But it's also not an insult. It's just the truth. She just had a really long engagement. It's fine. No one's, no one's bothered by it, but it is the truth. Mm, facts. <laughs> I eat them. Coming in clutch with the facts. Um, then they eventually, once they're married, they have three kids. So they do start... Boop, boop, boop. Yeah, that's the sex noise. Yeah. Henry Riggs, uh, their first son. He would later become a U.S. congressman, but that's not really that important for the story. Boop, 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 boop. Uh, Gerald Lawrence, one year later, and bah, 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 Clara Pauline, a year after that. So they're popping them out in pretty quick succession. So, uh, three kids. I mean, after, you know, like a deathly experience like that, I don't think you hold much back. It's a, it's not immediate, though. They wait two years to get married, and then they wait about three years That's to have That's the PTSD period. Yeah, and then they... They're wait, still trying to get the blood off. Maybe. Pretty to dark. Um, so despite popping all these kids out, uh, it doesn't seem that... That Rathbone himself was doing very well. Uh, his mental health seemed to be steadily declining after the night of the assassination, um, and he's like he did seem to continue having like delusions and stuff. Yeah, that's fun. So not great. Pretty much messed up his life, considering he wasn't even supposed to be there. It was supposed to be other people, like a so a whole list of other people before him. Imaginary friends are the best kind of friends. Not when it's about a murder. Yeah, but as long as they're supportive. I don't know if they are. Anyway, that's not important. Um. So then there's a couple of, like, interesting stories, and I couldn't substantiate any of these. Now, of course, I was doing, like, pretty rudimentary searches and stuff, but I couldn't find any evidence that these things actually happened. So they're more just, like, fun ghost story type things. Um, But I like to tell them anyway, because the fact that they exist means that at some point in history somebody thought it'd be funny to, like, twist these into (laughs) scarier things. I feel like we need a flashlight Um, to turn out the lights. uh, I mean, they're not that scary. Oh, dang. Um, so there's two, and they both involve Clara's dress. So the first story is that, um, this one's actually not really scary at all. It's just kind of weird. The first story is that, um, a couple of, like, uh, well, I don't actually know when. Um, a little bit after the shooting, uh, Clara decides that, uh, the best case scenario with the dress that she saved is covered in blood. And even though, like, again, it's, it's... Rathbones. It's not Lincoln's, but it's still, like, from that night, so it's kind of weird. She, like, can't get rid of the dress because she can't bring herself to do it, but she also doesn't really, like, know what she's supposed to do with it. So she decides, in this story, to have her photo taken wearing the bloody dress. That's... Why? 
That's like a power play. It's a weird power play. Like, I don't know why you would do that. That's like an alpha move. If you take a picture in a dress covered in the, probably the, a little bit of the president's and your husband's blood from the night that the, you know, most loved president at the time died, you know, in the North, at least. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of like being like, yeah, I'm a baller. <laughs> Bow down. It is. It kind of reminds me of um, when JFK was assassinated. And they tried to bring his wife a new, like, little dress suit thingy. And she was like, no, I want them to see what they've done to him. So she keeps wearing her bloodstained outfit for, like, that rest of that day. Yeah, but the CIA did that one. Well, that's different. But, uh, but it kind of reminds me of that, except this happens way later. Like, it's not like she just wants to wear it that day. She's, like, like a long time later, like, what if I got a photo? Like, tried. P- pose it in my blood-covered dress. So, yeah, I couldn't find any evidence of the picture. Like, I was looking for, like, obviously, if if she had the picture taken unless it was destroyed, it should exist in some archive, and I couldn't find it. Not to say it's not out there, but I would take that one with a grain of salt. I don't necessarily think it happened, but it's a pretty cool story. The second story is that, again, she can't get rid of the dress because she can't find herself to do it, but, like, she can't find it in herself to do it, rather. Um, But she also doesn't really want to have to see it all the time. So as a compromise, she decides the best thing to do is put it in the back of her closet, like fully hung up, and then brick it into the closet. Just like put a brick wall in front of it so she doesn't see it. That's it's very. Could you imagine being like the person like a hundred years later? Be like, like, why is this brick wall in my closet? And then like tearing it down and be like, there's a weird like Civil War era bloody dress, and you're like, uh, sorry. (laughs) Um, And it's very kind of Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, what, Cask of Amontillado? Is that the one where somebody gets bricked into the wall? I think it is. I hope you know I'm in academic English. Fair enough. Um, but, yeah. That might not even be the right story. But I think it is. And so, yeah. this In this tale, she bricks it into the closet. And the reason, apparently, is that she either had a dream or a vision of Lincoln, like, in her room laughing. That's hot. Which is creepy. The la- the laughing would creep me. I'd be like, what the frick? Um, and the reason I think that, um, that he was laughing is that she was seeing him supposedly at the point of the play where he was killed. And he would have been laughing during that funny joke before he was, you know, shot. At least he died. Doing what he loved. Him. Laughter. <laughs> I mean, what if what if he was like the most giggly person in the world and that actually is what he loved? <laughs> Just so giggly. That's what he was best known for. He loved to laugh. Um, yeah. So she saw this weird vision of him and then she thought, what if I bricked him into my closet? Um, so safe to say this couple ain't doing so hot. Weird question. Kind of like a little off topic, but on topic. Do you think someone kept his hat? I'm sure there are hat Like from the death? Like specifically from the death, but like, like any of his like major other hats. Like- I mean, I'm not sure. I, I... Don't know off the top of my head if he was wearing a hat when he died. Cause he if might... he wasn't, then is, is it really Abraham Lincoln? Well, but he was at the theater. Hmm. So I don't think he would have been wearing a hat, is my guess. Or he might have taken it off once he arrived. Um, I'm not I'm not sure about that. Having said that, I think in a lot of the paintings of his death, which aren't obviously accurate because, you know, it's not a photo or anything. But I don't think he's generally wearing a hat. Mm, I don't think I do. Um, so I don't know. But I, I think a lot of his hats have been... Because obviously... You know, there's no reason to throw them away. They would have been saved. Um, so I'm sure a lot of, like, American museums have Probably like a... Hats. I imagine there's just, like, a hallway in the White House just full of Abraham just Lincoln hats. Lincoln's hats. And our president can just... Put them on. Pee on all of them. 
Thanks, Trump. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's gonna be dead a long time ago in this story. So that's all you need to know. He's already gone. Nice. But the couple isn't doing so hot, even a decent amount of time after it's happened. Uh, in 1870, uh, Rathbone decides to leave the army due to, like, illness. And it's sort of vague what that illness is. In From what I understand, it seems possible that his, like, mental instability was also causing him to be physically ill. Oh. And that could be that he was just, like, in a weakened state and it was easier to get ill. Um, right. Or it could be that it was, like, psychosomatic. See, I thought he had the uh, same illness that I usually have when it comes to, like, school and work, which is... Uh, I, I don't like want to go. I'm not having it. <laughs> he's just like, I'm not having it. Mm-hmm. So he decides that he's going to leave the army in 1870. Um, and after that, he doesn't seem to really hold any position for very long. Like, he's sort of just, like, drifting. Now, when you're that rich, you can drift. Yeah. But, like, society is like, boy, what is you doing? And he's like, I'm being rich and sad and melancholy. And they're like, okay, I guess. Um... So, he also has some pretty big marital issues at this time. Uh, some people say that he accused Clara of cheating on him. Oh, great. Uh, he also apparently sometimes was prone to thinking that his children weren't actually his own. And um, also, sometimes he thought that Clara was going to leave him and take the children, which upset him, which is weird because other times he thought that those kids weren't even his. But I guess maybe he still, I don't know. Maybe they were all, like, different thoughts. Like, sometimes he thought they weren't his, sometimes he thought they were, but she was stealing them. Whatever. She start, he starts going a little nuts. You know, I'm not gonna lie. In that sentence, I was half expecting you to, uh, based on his past history, to be like, oh yeah, he started hitting on his daughter. Yeah, he starts hitting on his other stepsister. You know how it is. Yeah. All the family He starts hitting drama. on his mom's grave. All the family drums. Um, and so, then sometimes, like, they would threaten divorce to each other and stuff. Um, they never get divorced. They're always married. Well, because, I mean, that's a no-no. But, yeah. But it seems like sometimes she actually did kind of want to divorce him because he was a little whack. But it's, like, social pressures. Um, which is wild because they get married after he's already, like, a little bit losing it because it's two years after the assassination. Okay, you can't divorce the guy who fist-fought John Wilkes Booth. It's true. (laughs) Post-assassination. That's true. Um, and then in the early 1800s, which is when you guessed... Nice. Um, so we're entering that decade. Uh, his health finally dips in a way that kind of concerns the family more than it had in the past. And so they want to leave America. Now there's a couple of different, like there's two different stories of how this happened. Um, basically the kind of official story goes that, um, Chester A. Arthur, the president currently, uh, decides to make him the U.S. consul to the province of Hanover in Germany in 1882. And so he ends up in Germany. Now, um, the other kind of story is that this doesn't happen, in that way at least. They still moved to Germany, um, but they say that he was never made U.S. consul. Wait, what year is it? 1882. Isn't Germany unified by now? Well, but you might still be, like, just to one. Uh, one I don't know. I don't that's remember. That's weird. Um, but so, yeah, he was going to go to Hanover. The other thing is, though, is that some people say that he never was consul, uh, and that he never held, like, a official government position like that, and that they're confusing him with his brother, so he has a brother, um, who held a similar role elsewhere in Europe, and so they're saying that they're mixing those two things up. Mm. I don't know which it is, but the story of him being the consul is much more widely Accepted. talked about. Um, so it might be that it's that's the truth, and the other idea is just people trying to revise history, or it might be, in fact that 
the widely held belief is actually incorrect and that people are trying to revise it because they found evidence that he actually wasn't the consul. So I don't know which it is. So basically flip a coin but make him go into Hanover the heads. I'm going to tell you right now, either way he goes to Hanover. It's okay. only if it's only whether or not he was actually there like on a diplomatic role. Oh, okay. Like, is, is he there on behalf of the government or is he just there for like a pleasure? Yeah, cruise? but like if he was like actively a loony, do you think... Yeah, I don't know. That's why I'm Maybe not... Maybe that's specifically why he sent him, as an insult. Yeah. Just go to Hanover. Get yourself together, boy. Um, and so he is over there. Uh, he takes his whole family, um, and they are now in Germany. And they move, but it doesn't really seem to improve his health. In fact, it uh, definitely doesn't improve his health. Because the next year, 1883, on the 23rd of December... He seems to have fallen into a delusion um, that was, like, a little bit too far. Oh, great. And so he takes a gun and a knife. Okay. And he goes towards his children's rooms. Okay. But Clara sees this, and she's like, oh, not the kids. (laughs) So she distracts him and apparently pulls him towards her own room. Or, like, I don't know if it's their room or just her room, whatever. So is it, like, a distraction, like, come and kill me or, like, look at my rump? I don't, they didn't, they didn't describe it in so much detail, but yeah. I don't think it would have been look at my rump because he's like on a murder rage. I mean, he's got yeah, but like hormones are powerful. Hormones are powerful. Um, having said that, once he's distracted away from the children, he then pulls his gun on her and shoots her. Mm. So, you know, I don't think the hormones were overpowered by the need to murder. Um, and so... He shoots her. He then potentially stabs her a few times, too. I'm not really sure if that's actually what happened. But, like, she's, you know, she's going to be dead. If she's not dead already, she's going to be dead. I just got to make sure. Um, This done, he then decides to stab himself a couple of times in the chest. And uh, though he sustains multiple stab wounds, none of them would kill him. So he tried to kill himself. He doesn't succeed. Um, How do you mess up killing yourself? No, he did it. But I will say, if you think about it, it's interesting how this all turns out, because he basically just recreated the assassination. Oh, yeah. So With he, a gun and a knife. Yeah, so he shot Clara and then stabs himself, which is exactly what happened if Clara was just Lincoln. And if he was somehow both the murderer and the second victim. Nice. But yeah, so he's basically recreating that night. Um... Eventually, obviously, he gets caught because he tried to kill himself and he failed, so, like, they caught him pretty easily. He's, like, right there at the scene of the crime. <laughs> and, uh, he was charged with murder, but he ends up getting off of the charge because he's found to be insane. Yeah, he's absolutely out of it. So, they can't actually charge him with the crime because he wasn't in his right mind. Uh, his wife was buried in Germany, and he would spend the rest of his life in a German insane asylum uh, next to a monastery. Now, I don't know how true this is, but I was reading about this monastery, and I guess, like, the insane asylum, you would think it would be, like, you know, crappy, like, kind of a... Yeah, I was gonna say, German insane asylums actually sell, like, hell. Yeah. Well, apparently, because he was so rich, like, if this story is to to be believed, because he's so rich, uh, he has, like, a pretty nice room, and he's, like, allowed to wander through, like, the pretty monastic gardens and stuff, and... You know, he's living a pretty cush life, which is a bit irritating because, like, he he just murdered his wife. Okay, yeah, but, like, can you really blame him? He was insane. <laughs> oh, oh, now now you're getting into an issue. Why? Because, like, do you blame someone for their mental diseases? Um, 
That's a good question. I mean, obviously they didn't because they let him get off on the charge, but it still kind of sucks. Anyways, uh, he will die in 1911. Um, good year. Yeah, right before everything goes to poop. Um, and he, so he dies in 1911, so he spends a pretty decent amount of time, about three decades, just under three decades, really, uh, after he murders his wife in this insane asylum, um, but potentially living the cush life there. And, uh, his doctor said he never was thoroughly himself after that night. I have no hesitation in affirming that the dreaded tragedy which preyed upon his nervous and impressionable temperament for many years laid the seeds of that homicidal mania. Uh, so like I said, he dies in 1911 and, uh, he was buried next to his wife in Germany, which kind of seems like a punishment to her. It's like, damn, you killed me and now I have to be buried next to you? Did his kids continue to live in Germany? I don't think so. I mean, one goes, obviously goes back and becomes a congressman. So. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think after he was, because if you think about it, their mom's dead and their dad's in an insane asylum. So I assume they went back and like chilled with family or something, but to be honest, I didn't really look up the kids after that. Didn't really care that much. (laughs) Sorry, kids. I don't really care that much. Um, And then in... So he ends up, like I said, he ends up buried right next to her, which seems like a punishment to her. Uh, Although in Germany, you apparently don't own the land you're buried in. You basically rent it. And so... All those kooky Germans. So at some point, your, like, lease comes up. You're like, you owe them rent. And your family has to pay to, like, continue using that space. And you think, like, after so many generations, like, people stop, and then they just get rid of them and stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, at, at a certain point, their rent basically comes up, and no one from their family pays it. And I guess the, um, like, the burial site, like, checked records to see how often people came to visit them, and it was, like, basically never. Because um, they're kind of, like, sadly sort of forgotten people, even though they were so involved in the assassination. Mm. Um, like they sort of get forgotten and, and left by the wayside. And then obviously their kids are like, that's pretty awkward happened to our parents, so we're just going to... Ignore it. Yeah, we're just not going to go back to it. Germany all that often. Um, so no one really comes to visit them. And so since no one's paying rent and no one's visiting, uh, Germany is like, cool, uh, we need to use this burial space again for, like, new dead people. So uh, they are dug up. Now, again, there seems to be a bit of confusion on what actually happened once they were dug up. The old, um, like, thought on this was that they were dug up and then they were basically, like, their remains were, like, you know, crushed up and stuff and they were kind of just done away with. I mean, soup of. Not soup. Soup of Rathbone. Cream of Rathbone. I need it. Um, that's gross. <laughs> but... They, uh... Oh, so, man, World War One was hard. World War Two was even harder. You had to scavenge. You had to eat whatever you could, including yeah. somebody who's been dead long enough that there's literally no meat on them there, just bone. But good as like calcium. It's like stock. Um, but yeah. So, so yeah, so some people thought that they were dug up and then just kind of done away with. And I guess now people seem to think that they were actually dug up the hole was made deeper, and then they were reburied in the same hole. But then a newer dead person could be put on top of them. And oh, then it's like a hotel. It's it's like a bunk bed. That's. But like you're not you're not bunk bedding with your wife. You're bunk bedding with a stranger. 
And then the t- the person on top gets to have the grave marker. So you're underneath there and you're still oh, there. Oh, that's cheap. But you lose your grave marker. So they could potentially still be there. It's like not really known which actually happened, but that seems to be the one that people think is true now. Um, so they, yeah, they might still be in the graveyard. I wonder if his epitaph was like either like really boring, like he was a good father, a good son, and unfortunate, like, you know, he suffered from... Great injury. husband. Or, like, if his epitaph was something funny, like, just, like, made a joke of his last name, or, like, man, this guy, like, fought... They really boned John it. Booth. Like, he just went at it, man. Respect. Well, I don't know. Had a gold chain on it. I do not know. But, uh, then... Follow so, till his last day. So now he's super dead, and he may or may not even be in that graveyard anymore. But the last thing is going back to the story that I told you that may or may not be true about the dress and how it was bricked into the wall. Mm-hmm. Apparently, once their son, Henry Riggs Rathbone, was old enough, the one who becomes the senator, uh, um, congressman, sorry. I don't know if he was a senator, if he was a house of representatives, but he was a congressman. Um, he went back to that house and uh, apparently he, like, unbricked the dress from the, behind the wall and he burned it. As a way of ending what he felt was a curse on his family. I thought you were going to say he dressed up in it and took a picture. That would be pretty whack. <laughs> that'd be amazing. Uh, that'd be an interesting end of the story. No, he, he, apparently he burns it. Boring. He, he felt like that night was a curse on their family. And so if you think about it, like, bricking up the dress of blood behind the wall maybe just kept the curse going. So he burns that and he's like, let's end this curse. Um, and this is probably just super fun storytelling. Um, but yeah, so the moral of this story is... Don't kill your um, wife. Well, don't kill your wife. Fist fight confederates. Um, don't... If you're the last name on a list of names to go out with the president and his wife and see a play, maybe consider why everyone else said no. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, okay, I'm not gonna argue that one. <laughs> because, you know... Also, did you know apparently... And I don't know, again... It's hard to know exactly what is true and what is just people making up fanciful stories after the fact, but apparently Lincoln didn't even want to go to a play that night. His his wife, like, wasn't into it. She was like, I'm not feeling that well. And he was like, well, the papers already said that I'll be there. It's like, I really gotta go. Like, we just won this war, and if I just stay in, everyone's gonna think I'm, like, a sad boy, so we gotta go to this play. And then there's also stories, and this seems like it could have really been made up after the fact but there are stories that he had dreams of his own death like right before like within a couple days of it happening so that's pretty whack if it's true i definitely know for a fact that that first one's true that he didn't want to go is it yeah you know how i know why because no one in their right mind wants to go to a freaking play that's fake i love the theater yeah and that's why you have no friends um that's pretty rude you're my friend Kaden, I'm here in a dress. You're not here in a dress. You're here because you like history. I do like history. I feel Sorry. like... Sorry. Okay, I'm like... I'm a dog and you're holding a bone in front of my face. I'm just... Just enticing you in with funny historical... Rathbone. Yeah, Rathbones. Ha-ha. ha I'm scared. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's the story of Rathbone. I thought this was going to be short, but it wasn't. How long is it? It's been an hour. <laughs> Well, having you here just makes it all more interesting. We can get to chatting. Uh, 
You want a fun fact of the day? Sure. It's irrelevant to this, right? Oh, yeah. It's it's about the Titanic, actually, the poster on your wall. My uh, my brother likes to give historical fun facts, so here's... I do have a Titanic poster I on I learned this one today in Honors East Asian class. Do you know what more important event happened the day the Titanic sunk? I don't, know. Our glorious leader, Kim Il-sung, was born. Wow! Yeah! What an omen! He Yeah, he sunk it. He was the iceberg. What an omen. If I knew, if, if somebody was out there like, hey, this guy wants to, you know, take over the country. Also, he was born on the Titanic sank. I'd be like, maybe we should question this. No. I don't know. It feels wrong. Pretty sure he rides unicorns and doesn't poop. Also, he, like, was born on top of, like, a mountain. That's why, no offense to anyone born on 9-11, but if you're an American and you were born on, like, the actual day of 9-11... I feel like we just shouldn't ever let you have, like, a position of power because you could have an omen just, like, hanging above your head. And or if you're a boomer. Well, boomers shouldn't be able to do anything, but that's besides the point. Is that an insult to the intellect or an insult to the fact that they're, like, cripples at this point? <laughs> um, just really an insult to the fact that I'm not a big fan of boomers mm-hmm. as a culture. But anyways, we should probably wrap this up because uh, we're not even talking about the topic anymore. We're just... Rathbone should have wrapped it up. Well, maybe he wouldn't have tried to murder his children because yeah. they wouldn't have existed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's the story. We got a little light murder and an assassination in this one. Honestly, I was expecting a little more murder. He only got his wife. Yeah, well, she distracts him from the kids because she's a good mom. But, uh... Good sacrifice. But it kind of sucks for her, and then she's got to spend the rest of eternity just buried next to this dude. She doesn't even get a grave marker. Do you know, did he use a prostitute pistol? Or, sorry, a sex worker pistol? <laughs> I don't know what he used. It was a handgun, though. I don't know what kind. Nice. Um, but anyways, that's the end of the story. So, oh. uh, your part's done, Kai. You can shut up now. <laughs> Love you. Wow, that hurts. Love you. You're my brother. I can say that. No, you can't. Yes, I that's can. That's on mom. <laughs> Um, anyway, so thank you guys for listening. Sorry this wasn't even a short short, but, uh, you get a long short, which is even better. Maybe. Unless you wanted a short short. Are you that was make... my name in prison. Short short? Long short. <laughs> I don't know why, but it was. Um, but if you guys want to interact with the show in any way, you can follow me on all the social media platforms. I've got a Twitter, and that is at HappyHistoryPod. I've got an Instagram, at HappyHourHistoryPod. My name on Facebook is Happy Hour History Podcast, and I have um, an email, which is happyhourhistorypod at gmail.com. I really had to think through that whole thing. Um, I'm glad you're proud of me. Thank you. The other thing first time in your life. is that I have, like I said, I have a Patreon, um, so you can get the bonus episodes. There's currently one already waiting for you, and like I said, I want to do another spooky short, which should be much shorter than this, um, you know, if I actually stick to that. And that is all accessible at patreon.com slash happyhourhistorypod. Um, if you don't see my little logo, you found the wrong thing. So wait, only your Patreons get to watch that one video? Well, it's not a video. It's a podcast. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So, um... So only Alexander gets to see it. Well, currently, yes. Yeah. So Go my, him. My BFF Alexander is currently the only person who's getting some baller content. Go him, honestly. Um, and so he's, besides myself, the only person in the world who knows what's happening there. Can I listen to it for free? Uh, you'd have to do it through my page, because I'm an admin. Or do I have to give you money? You'd have to give me money if you didn't want to listen to it through my login. Okay, that's a lot of effort. Uh, but it's about the Golem of Prague. Do you know about that? No, but I'm interested enough in Prague that I'm 
I might actually do it. Golem of Prague's a good one. We only have to give one dollar. But you shouldn't. I could probably find a way to give it to you for free. I gave you ten dollars for chocolate milk. <laughs> That's a true story. I had like a little bit of chocolate milk left. My brother's obsessed. I was drinking chocolate milk and I had a little bit left and he gave me ten dollars for it and it was the best deal I've ever made. Um but yeah. So you this was a weird side story to illustrate the fact that uh yes, in fact you the listener can also purchase uh your way into hearing these fun uh bonus episodes and maybe you'll hear Kai there again or maybe never again. I don't know. It depends on how much I can entice him into talking about history. Mm. It's not that hard though. It's pretty low hanging fruit. See, see. <laughs> Now that just stings. That just stings. Anyways, uh, so now that it is officially almost an hour, we weren't we didn't quite hit it. Uh, How much time do we have left? Well, we're at fifty-seven minutes right now, uh, but I'm also gonna edit this, so it's gonna be shorter a little bit. Damn. Not by much, but it'll cut out maybe a minute or two. The small talk. Yeah. Well, no, not the small talk. Staying. It's the best part. <laughs> but uh, more of like stuff that we said that was stupid, or like me trying to find something that I didn't know where it was or whatever. If we cut out all the stupid stuff, it would just be me talking. Ouch! (laughs) You can tell that we're siblings because we don't pull punches, man. Anyways, uh, so yeah, thank you guys for listening and uh, tune in next time. Actually, funnily enough, the next episode that should be releasing on like the main podcast platform is one that I pre-recorded. This one's actually been done for a while, um, and it is actually with my mother, and so you'll get to hear more weird family shenanigans. But uh, that one's been in the arsenal for a bit now, so it's going to be coming out soon. I would have preferred to you use the word chicanery, but okay. No. I've never even heard that word. Oh, so who's now illiterate? (laughs) You're illiterate. You're illiterate. You don't know what the word chicanery means. (laughs) Well, I don't need the word chicanery. Because it's better than shenanigans. Oh. I didn't even know which word you were replacing with that. (laughs) Anyways. uh, Yeah, so you'll get to hear more family chicanery yeah there you go i was trying to cue you in ah i'm bad with this and uh so yeah listen in next time for more of that and you won't hear any of my brothers that's a blessing (sighs) and uh was there anything else i need to talk about probably not bye guys oh rate and review my podcast please i love you okay bye guys